Well, I'm so grateful for all of you that have come out today. If we haven't met, my name's Michael. I'm one of the pastors here. And before you ask, no, I did not get this jacket out of my grandma's closet. Shut up. But if you're joining us for the very first time, uh, we're, we're starting the year around this word pursue. It's, it's the word for our church in 2024. It's the word that we've been reading a, a 21 day devotional to get our hearts prepared at the jump in these first three weeks. But it's also been the word that we've been preaching in this very first week of this series of this new year. See, in week one, we talked about seeking constantly. Last week, we talked about listening constantly to the Lord. And then today, I wanna preach the final week of this series called Proceeding confidently. See, when you know that you've been seeking God, when you've been hearing from God, now we get to that place where I'm going to proceed confidently, God. Whatever you tell me to do, whatever you tell me to go, I'm going to do it. See, our 21 days of prayer and fasting are coming to a close. That's why so many of you came out to this nine o'clock service, because you know when this service is over, your fast ends. The 11 o'clock service, they got like three hours left to go, yo. Listen, I'm ready. I'm ready. That cup of coffee is waiting for me. Venti vanilla latte, here I come, yo. But just because our 21 days of prayer and fasting is coming to an end, it doesn't mean that our pursuit should come to an end. See, pursuing isn't just a portion of the year. It's actually our posture of the year. See, if you've seen God speak to you, if you've seen God answer your prayers, if you've seen God move in your life, the last thing you should do is to stop pursuing him. See, because when we stop pursuing, we stop progressing. When we stop pursuing, we stop progressing. And today, over the next 23 minutes, ha, 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 I wanna preach to you from this message, the prevention of progress. The prevention of progress. See, so many of you are, are reading through the Bible in one year, and I think it's an incredible task that you started on January 1, and, 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 and probably the early part of March, you'll get to the book of Numbers. You're going to get to Leviticus first. Keep plugging. Keep going. You can do it, man, a woman of God. Get through Leviticus, yo. But then you're going to get to the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers actually takes place a year after the Israelites have escaped Egypt. As you continue to read it, we come to Numbers chapter 13. In Numbers chapter 13, God says to Moses, who is the leader of the Israelites, here's what I want you to do, Moses. I want you to send 12 men to go explore Canaan, to go explore the promised land. And so Moses sends these 12 men on a scouting report. He says, I want you to go and see, is the, is the soil fertile or is it poor? Are there many trees or are there only a few trees? Are there fortified cities or are they, are they wide open? And so these 12 men, they go exploring for 40 days and they come back and they say to Moses, indeed, it is a bountiful land. In fact, it's a land flowing with, with milk and honey, but you need to know that there are fortified cities. You need to know that there is massive warriors that are over there. Even some of them, they look like giants. And, and the majority of them say, we can't go. But there's one guy, Caleb, and he says, let's go. He says, we can do it. I think so many times we become not like Caleb, but we become like the 10. So many times we never get to God's destination because of our trepidation. 
our fear, our worry sets in. And when God speaks something to us, we start to count the cost. We say things like, I'm too old or I'm too young. We say, my schedule is too full, my availability is too few. My, my bank account is too small and, and my stresses are too many. And I think if we're not careful, we will miss what God is telling us to do. We become like the Israelites and we start to focus more on our problems than God's provision. We start to look at what is happening in our lives right now rather than what God has already done. See, when you read the entirety of Numbers leading up to Numbers chapter 13, we see that there's a reminder that God's in his presence. A cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. You see that Moses is feeling the weight of leadership and God says, here's what I wanna do. I want, you to, I wanna send some help. I wanna establish 70 other men as elders. I wanna give them some of their responsibility. I wanna take some of the spirit that I gave you, Moses, and put into them as well. You continue to read that they didn't have to worry about food. There was a wind that blew in and it provided quail for them. See, but they were so focused on their problems that they overlooked God's provision in the past. And if we are not careful, we will prevent the progress that God wants to do in our lives from the jump of this year. We will get so focused on what hasn't happened that we will lose sight of what already has happened. See, today I wanna give you three things that prevent our progress. It starts with number one, it starts with disconnection. We get disconnected. See, I think there's so many of us, we, we started these 21 days so on fire, so expectant, so ready, and before you knew it, maybe day three, maybe five, seven, maybe you even got to 11 days, what happened is, is you got distracted and, and then you got disconnected. You got disconnected from what God wanted to do at the start of this brand new year. See, disconnection Disconnection, I'll tell you, doesn't just affect your relationship with God. Disconnection affects your relationship with anybody around you. You start to get angry with your boss. You, you start to get silent with your spouse. You start to get impatient with your kids. See, disconnection can happen to the best of us. See, disconnection leads to destruction, but can I tell you, connection leads to calm. Oh, disconnection can lead to destruction, but connection leads to calm. How do I know that? Because these 21 days, I've been so intentional about my relationship with Jesus. It doesn't mean that over the last three weeks, there hasn't been problems, there hasn't been issues, there hasn't been hardships, but can I tell you, when those things have popped up, I've remained committed and connected to Jesus that I still have this supernatural calm that I can't explain. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, it's only through when God speaks to us through the power of a quiet time, through the power of his word. See, God's word, the Bible, isn't just a roadmap for how to, how to obey him, how to follow his commands. It's also a warning sign for what happens when we don't. It also shows us what can happen if we get disconnected from God. See, we read about it in Numbers 14. After the 12 spies came back, it says, you will all drop dead in the wilderness. Because you complained about me, every one of you who is 20 years or older and was included in the registration will die. You will not enter and occupy the land I swore to give to you. The only exceptions will be Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. 
You said your children would be carried off as plunder. Well, I will bring them safely into the land and they will enjoy what you have despised. But as for you, you will drop dead in this wilderness and your children will be like shepherds wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. In this way, they will pay for your faithlessness until the last of you dies in the wilderness. Because your men explored the land for 40 days, you must wander in the wilderness for 40 years, a year for each day, suffering the consequences of your sins. See, for the Israelites, disconnection wasn't just destructive, it was deadly. Did you catch what it said would happen? Your children will be carted off as plunder. Your children will be forced to wander in the wilderness. And by the way, you will never enter the promised land. In fact, you will die. See, there are consequences when we disconnect ourselves from God. See, what I've learned in my life, I want you to write this down today. An increase of fear plus a decrease of faith equals a lack of future. See, you need to know today, we learn from what happened to the Israelites, an increase of faith coupled with a, a, a de- an increase in fear coupled with a decrease in faith will always lead to a lack of future. See, some of you will never step into the fullness of what God has for you if you continue to operate in fear. You continue to be disconnected from him. See, what should have been an 11-day trek turned into a 40-year tragedy. All because the Israelites were disconnected and they allowed fear to overtake them. See, when you read the story of the Israelites, what happens when God speaks to them in Numbers chapter 14 is a warning sign of what can happen to each and every one of us. Number one, what did God first say to the Israelites? He said, number one, you're gonna have to deal with punishment. He says, you're gonna have to deal with punishment. You will never occupy the land that I I was certain to give to you. There will be punishment in your life. See, when we disconnect ourselves from God, we are blocking the blessing. See, there are some of you right now who have cried out to God, God, what are you doing? I need this. And God is saying, if you would give your life fully to me, if you would turn your life, everything over to me, I've got a blessing that I want to rain down on you, but I will never allow it to happen if you continue to be disconnected from me. See, what's the second thing? When you read it and you look, he says, there's also pain. It's not only punishment, there's also gonna be pain. He says, your children will will grow up without their parents. He says, you will die. Your children will have to go through this life. The next generation will only have scant memories of what their parents and grandparents were like. See, now, can I tell you, can I put a caveat in it? It doesn't mean that when you're connected to Jesus that you will never deal with pain. Pain will still come. Hardships will still come. But can I tell you, a life without Jesus will always be harder than a life with Jesus. I I can tell you right now, when you're disconnected, don't be surprised how debilitating life will become. See, it's not only punishment, it's not only pain, but God says there's gonna be a pause. There's a pause your children will have to wander in the wilderness for four decades. See, I think for so many of us, because we're becoming disconnected from God, we're now going aimlessly from one place to another and you're jumping from job to job to job. 
You're jumping from relationship to relationship to relationship. But I wonder what would happen if you connected fully with Jesus. I wonder what would happen if at the start of this year you said, God, I'm all in. I'm not going to go anywhere. See, disconnection will always lead to disappointment. Disconnection in your life will always lead to disappointment. See, in 2024, I want to be so connected to Jesus that I, I minimize the punishment in my life. I minimize the pain that I have to walk through. I minimize the pause that God has to hold back things in my life because I'm trying to do it too much on my own. See, that only happens when we're committed to him. It only happens when we pursue God. See, I think some of us, we're not, we're not hearing from God because we're not hanging with God. We said it last week, how does God speak to us? God speaks to me, I said, through, through passages, through people, and through prayer. You can go back and watch last week's message on our YouTube channel. That's how God speaks to me. See, when, when I come alongside of him, that's how I proceed confidently. See, my confidence is found in my connection to Christ. You want to know how to proceed confidently this year? Continue to be connected and rooted in Jesus Christ. That's how we keep moving forward. See, we see the Apostle Paul tell us in Romans chapter 12, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. What does he say? He says, but let God transform you. That only happens through connection with Jesus Christ. But let God transform you. Disconnection will always affect your transformation. Disconnection from God will always affect your transformation. That's why we've got to be rooted. That's why we've got to be connected to him time and time and time again. Can I tell you, this is one of the hardest things about being a pastor is that when you see somebody that gives their heart and life to Jesus in a conversation, in a service, on a Wednesday night, and, and they're good, they keep moving, the fire of God is burning in them, but after about three months, six months, maybe 12 months, the fire starts to die. They get disconnected because storms come. They lose a job, the death of a loved one, the addiction comes back and now they start to fall down into a place and they get back right where they started. It all comes down because they got disconnected from Jesus. They got disconnected from the vine. And let's be really, really careful today because there are some of you that are watching this and you're saying, I cannot wait to send this message to so-and-so. That's a word for them. But dare I say for some of you, it's a word for you as well. Because you continue to go back and you read, what did Paul say? Don't think you are better than you really are. Don't think you are better than you really are because see, there are some of you, you haven't opened your Bible in weeks. 
There are some of you, you haven't told anybody about Jesus in a really long time. You haven't, you haven't come to this place where now I'm pouring into somebody else. I'm pouring into the next generation. And if we keep it real, you just show up to church really periodically. You don't serve. You don't give. Pastor John's up here. Trying to, and you're like, yeah, I've heard it all before. I've come to this place, but no, nah, I don't need to do that. A Devo, yeah, I'm good with that. No, nah, I don't need to come to Wednesday nights. I'm really, really good. See, some of you You think you're super Christians, but dare I say you're really subpar Christians because you've you've disconnected yourself. You've believed the lie of the enemy that you can now do it on your own and you need to know that your devotion will affect your destiny. Your devotion to God will affect that your destiny, where he wants to take you. See, I'm really worried that we have a generation of Christians that are not just disconnected. We have a generation of Christians that are dead because they no longer need. I've grown up in church. I'm a 60 year old person. I I no longer need to read the Bible. I no longer need to show up. I no longer need to spend time with God's word. I'm good. And you have now believed the lie of the enemy. And if the enemy can disconnect you, he can kill you. He can take you out. See, it's why every single one of us need to be rooted and and connected to Jesus like no other. See, just this week, we, we were talking about part of our vision for this year is to raise up new leaders. We wanna take leaders Uh, who are already serving and just kind of take them next level. Or we want to see something in people that are, that are no longer, maybe see the leadership value in them. Maybe no one has ever seen that or spoke that over their life. And we want to, we want to raise them up. We were just two weeks ago, I I was empowering some of our key leaders in this church, man, you got to start developing new leaders. You got to start developing the people that are serving underneath you. See, we've got to get to this place that as, as we add new ministries, as we bring new people onto our team, can I tell you the things I'm always looking for? And this isn't just in a ministry circle. This is for anybody who is currently a leader right now, a leader at your school, a leader in your business, a leader of a team. Here are things I think are so valuable to look for. Number one, look for somebody that has passion. Look for somebody who has passion. See, when I look around leaders in this place, I'm looking for people that have a passion for Jesus Christ. I'm looking for a passion for people who want to continue to learn, who want to continue to grow their leadership. I'm looking for people that have a a passion for the gifts of the Spirit. But the second thing I'm looking for is I'm looking for people who are persistent. I'm looking for people who show up when they say they're going to be here. I'm looking for people who, who don't cancel last minute, who, who, who call their supervisor on the morning on a Sunday and just say, yeah, I just can't make it. I'm not feeling it today. No, I'm looking for people who just keep showing up and I'm looking finally for people who are present. I'm looking for people who show up on a Sunday morning, not just on the Sundays they serve, even on the Sundays they don't serve. So you want to look at how do we raise up new leaders? Look for those things. Passion, persistence, and presence. See, that's who a guy named Joshua was. 
Joshua enveloped all of these things. Joshua was the other one of the two spies next to Caleb that said, we can take them, while the other 10 said, no, it's too big, it's too scary, it's too overwhelming. Joshua and Caleb said, let's go. See, the thing I love about Caleb, it, it, the thing I love about Joshua it, is Josh, Joshua didn't serve, didn't serve his way because he wanted to become a leader. No, Joshua served his way into leadership. He didn't serve his way because he wanted position. No, he served his way right into position. It's actually an incredible story. When you read the Old Testament book of Joshua, the book that bears his name, it starts off in, in chapter one, we see, we see that Moses has died. We see that Joshua has now taken over the leadership of the Israelite nation. We read about it last week in Joshua chapter one, that God speaks to him and says, be strong and courageous that he says it three times over the course of, of four verses. But then when you continue to read Joshua chapter one, what do we see? We see that, that God tells Joshua, study the scriptures, meditate on them, apply them in your life, and then you will be successful in all you do. See, I think that's a roadmap for any of us today. Study God's word meditate on it. I know some of you are reading the Bible through in, in one year, and, and I love the Bible in one year, but what I found myself is it almost becomes like a to-do list. I gotta keep going, I gotta keep the train going. And sometimes what the best thing you can do is just stop and meditate on the verses that God is revealing to you every single morning. Because God wants to use that passage, those verses to speak something into your life in real time. And when you meditate on them, now you start to apply those in your life. You start to obey them time and time and time again. See, we combat disconnection with devotion. We combat disconnection with devotion. No, if I feel myself today, you're hearing this message and you're like, Michael, that's me. I've gotten, I've gotten a little bit off track in these first 21 days. How do I get back on track? Devotion. Say today, I'm gonna to make it. I'm gonna devote myself to Jesus this afternoon, this evening, tomorrow morning. I'm gonna get back up and I'm gonna spend time in God's word. See, Joshua, the former spy, now goes and he sends out spies of his own. You read in, in Joshua chapter seven, starting in verse two. Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out the, time, the town of Ai, east of Bethel, near Bethaven. When they returned, they told Joshua, there's no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two or 3,000 men to attack AI. Can I pause here? You know that I, I'm a dude that loves some late 90s, early 2000s hip hop because when I read this, I read it as Andale, Andale, Mama, AI, AI, uh-oh. <laughs> I'm a sucker for cornrows and manicured toes. Uh. You are my people that are gonna love the next series we're going to. Two weeks, mixtape, get ready, we're going, yo. Um, since there are so few of them, and some of you are like, AI, I don't even get, okay, just keep going. Um, since there are so few of them, don't make all our people struggle to go up there. So approximately 3,000 warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries, and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events and their courage melted away. 
Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay. They threw dust on their heads and they bowed face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. Then Joshua cried out, oh, sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you are going to let the Amorites kill us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side. See, I think we prevent our progress, number one, because of disconnection, but number two, because of disrespect. Because of disrespect. See, I think it's when you read this tearing of clothing, throwing of ash or dirt are signs of mourning. It's one thing to be devastated. It's another thing entirely to be disrespectful. See, in our family, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be disappointed. But when you start to be disrespectful to your mom or dad or your siblings, oh, it's on, yo. See, and that's really where Joshua was. Joshua was crying out, why God? See, I think one of the most disrespectful things we can do is to question God. God, what are you doing? When are you gonna answer my prayer? God, we could be like, Joshua, why did you bring me here? See, I think so many times delays lead to disrespect. I think in my life, when God doesn't do things according to my timetable, uh, delays so often lead to disrespect. And can I tell you, uh, about six or eight months ago, I was crying out to God. I was angry with God because I felt like he wasn't moving. He wasn't answering my prayers. And I was so angry and I would come to God every single day. I'd read his word, I'd spend time in prayer and I was just angry at God. And I kept asking him question after question after question. And one morning there was a breakthrough where I finally shut up long enough to hear from God. And the Lord said to me, Michael, why don't you stop questioning me and start quieting yourself before me? See, it changes everything. God can handle our hurts. God can handle our questions. But sometimes we just have to shut up in his presence and listen to him. See, so now I, I'm, I try not to go and say, God, what are you doing? No, there's a, a recognition that you are God and I am not. God, when are you going to answer my prayers? God, I know now that you've got a, a divine timeline that I'm not privy to. God, why did you bring me to this place? It must be because you want to do something in and through me, God. So now I'm going to quiet myself before you, God. See, confidence is found in the intersection of faith and trust. You want to be confident where God is taking you? It's having faith and it's trusting in God. God, I put my faith in you, but now I'm trusting. No matter where you take me, I'm gonna believe you. You have the best for my life. You have the best for my marriage. You have the best for my family, the best for my future. But can I tell you, you can be in the right place at the right time and still get the wrong results. See, that's exactly what was going on with Joshua and the Israelites. They were in the right place at the right time, and still they were getting the wrong results. See, when, when you read about it, why were, why were they defeated? Is because there was sin in the camp. There was hidden sin in the camp. You can read about it at length. 
But you need to know that hidden sin will always lead to a hindered future. I, I just need to lean into this again this week. Hidden sin will always lead to a hindered future. You will never step into the fullness of what God has for you if you continue to hide sin. Michael, what are you asking us to do? Confess your sin and deal with your crap. Confess your sin, first of all, to God. Confess your sin to the person that, that needs to know it. I'm not gonna stand on this platform and tell you all the sin that I've been a part of, but I go to the people that I'm held accountable to. I go to my wife. I go to trusted men in this house that are, are my people that are praying for me. I go to Pastor John. I go to pastors and leaders of this house. You've gotta confess your sin and then you've gotta deal with your junk. Some of y'all don't like crap, I'll say junk. You've got to deal with the stuff that's in your life. For some of you, it's therapy. For some of you, it's finally going to rehab. For some of you, it's finally sitting down with the people who have hurt you and having the hard, crunchy conversation. See, because every single one of us, I believe, are in one of three seasons. Michael, why are you leaning on this? Because it's what the Lord continues to put on my heart. See, every single one of us, I believe, that are in this space, every single one of us that are watching today are in one of three seasons. I think some of you, number one, are in a developing season. Some of you are in this season of development that God is revealing things to you. It's what we said last week, that God is looking for a church that has a hunger for him. God is looking for a church that is known by our holiness, God is looking for men and women of God that are defined by their humility. What is those things that God is developing in you right now? What are the things that God is having hard conversations with you in right now? See, some of you are being developed right now, but some of you are being equipped. Some of you are in an equipping season. What does that look like? Some of you your schedule, your job looks a lot different than what you thought it was gonna look like in 2024. God has shifted your schedule and you thought it was for bad, but could I tell you, it's actually for good. God is freeing you up so you can do what he's created you to do since the dawn of time. See, some of you right now, he's bringing the right people into your path because those people are going to be the one that are gonna take you into the destiny that God has for your life. See, there are some of you that God has given you an unexpected blessing and you're sitting there realizing, what am I supposed to do with it? And God is saying, you know what you're supposed to do with that. I've opened the door. I've dropped this into your lap. And there's some of you that are now in a season that God is fording you on. You're in a fording season. God has answered the prayer. God has opened the door. And now what is your task? You proceed confidently. That if God is the one who has opened up these doors, he has made a way for you. Now you move ahead confidently, knowing that God is with you every single step of the way. Psalm 37, three and four, trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. See, my prayer 
is that we would move from being disrespectful to God to being delighted in God. That in him, you would find your purpose. That in him, you would find your peace. That in him, you would find your worth. You've been searching for it in all these other places. And God says, delight in me. Delight in me. And I will give you the desires of your heart if you just delight, rest, seek, and pursue me every single step of the way. See, you can you continue to go through and I think we prevent our progress because of disconnection, disrespect, and finally, discouragement. Discouragement. Joshua finds out that the reason that, that they were overtaken, the reason that they were routed was the sin in the camp. While the Amorites thrashed them because there was a man named Achan. Achan, it says, stole a robe. He stole some pieces of silver. He stole a bar of gold and he buried them in the ground. And they get so angry, the rest of the tribe, the rest of the nation of Israel gets so upset at him that it says that he ends up stoned. Not stoned like some of you were last night. That's another message for another day. But they take him out. They kill him by stoning. And when you read this passage in Joshua, it feels like it was a misstep. It feels like it's a low point of Joshua's newly minted leadership. But God comes to him in Joshua chapter eight and says to him, then the Lord said to Joshua, don't be afraid or discouraged. See, I believe God is speaking that to some of you today. Don't be afraid or discouraged. See, the key to regaining the victory is to receive the encouragement. See, the key to regaining the victory is receiving the encouragement. God wants to speak to you. God wants to reassure you. God wants to love you. God wants to comfort you. But that will only happen through a connection of relationship with Jesus. He says, come to me. Ah, don't be discouraged. Don't be scared. Isaiah 30, 21, your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. Seeking completely, listening constantly, and God, no matter what you tell me, I'm gonna proceed confidently. See, that's who, that's who Joshua was. That's who Joshua was time and time and time again. See, my, my favorite story in the life of, of Joshua is also the most ridiculous. My favorite story of the life of Joshua is probably the one story that if you grew up in church, what well, you know about Joshua, Joshua and the battle of Jericho. It's an, it's an incredible story. It's crazy. Sometimes when I read it, it's so ludicrous. It's so silly. I want to read it to you if, it, if you're new to church because it says in Joshua 6, starting in verse 1, Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in, but the Lord said to Joshua, I've given you Jericho, its kings, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, 
each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priest blowing the horns. When you hear the priest give one loud blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into town. So Joshua called together the priests and said, take up the ark of the Lord's covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the people, march around the town and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. It's crazy. It's a crazy story. But can I tell you, when I, I read it with new eyes this week, God gave Joshua three things. The keys are out. You know I'm about to land this plane, yo. Number one, God gave him a declaration. God said to him before even Joshua was there, he said, I've given you Jericho. I've given you the king. I've given you all the strong warriors before they even seen anything happen. See, God has given each and every one of us a declaration. He says, trust God and trust also in me. Fear not for I am with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Take heart for I have overcome the world. God has declared his promises over your life. So start moving wherever he tells you to go. God gave Joshua a declaration, but he also gave him a diagram. It's a crazy diagram. He says for six days, here's what I want you to do, Joshi. I want you to get all the crew and I want you to, to march in your best marching band pose uh, around and I want you to just go around Jericho once a day for six days. I was never in marching band. You would think with a jacket like this, I would be, shut up. Just do that for six days. And on the seventh day, I want you to march around it. Follow this seven times. And, and here's what I want you to do. After you've marched around seven times, we're going to blow a, a trumpet. We're going to blow a bugle. And when you hear that trumpet, you're going to scream as loud as you can. And the walls are going to come down. I think Joshua had more faith than I did. See, but I, I tell you that God has already given you a diagram for your life. See, in these 21 days, God has been speaking to many of you. For some of you, may, maybe God has spoken to you. I know you're a college dropout, but it's now just not time to go back to school. For others of you, it is your travel schedule has affected your relationship with your family. And now it's time to carve out some time, be home a little bit more and invest in your family rather than your job. For some of you, God has spoken to you. Hey, now is the time to reconnect to your spouse like never before. You're seeing the cracks, don't ignore them. Reconnect to your husband or wife like never before. Maybe for some of you, God has given you the diagram and saying, it's time to go to rehab once and for all. I spoke that to you 6, 12, 18 months ago and you've tried to do it on your own. You think you're strong enough and you found that through the holidays, through the new year, you're just not that strong. And God's saying, it's time to go. I've given you the diagram. But thirdly, what do we see? 
gives him a declaration, gives him a diagram, but third and finally, he gave him a desire. He gave him a desire. See, nowhere in the text do we see Joshua come and ask questions. Nowhere does he say, God, how is that all going to happen? No, what does he say? It says that he, he calls all the priests together and he gives instructions to the people. That's what he did. It was, it was unthinking obedience. What if each and every one of us stopped questioning God and we started to surrender to God? What if we took our marching orders from Joshua and say, I'm going to stop questioning how you're going to do it. And I'm just going to be obedient. I'm going to proceed confidently knowing that you are my God. You've already worked it out. I have a desire to follow you. See, what's the new thing that God is speaking to you? God, you want to do that? And God, you want to use me? That's crazy. It sounds so ridiculous. But what if God is about to take the ridiculous and do something miraculous and he wants to use you? See, there's too many of you. You've gone through life and saying, I'm underqualified and overlooked. I'm underpaid and I'm overwhelmed. I'm underprivileged and I'm overshadowed. But can I remind you that Jesus Christ underwent the brutality of the cross. He overcame the grave so he could have a relationship with you. And he looks at you today and he says, I choose you. I choose you. So today, may we be a church that's no longer disconnected, we're devoted. May we no longer be disrespectful to God, but we would delight in God. Maybe no longer would we be discouraged, but we're gonna be determined, God, wherever you take us, we're gonna follow, we're gonna proceed confidently, knowing that you are my God and you always work out things for my good, not just sometimes, but all of the time. We trust in See, if that's you today, in 2024, I want to proceed confidently. God, wherever you take me, I want to follow. Whatever you say, I want to lean into it. Whatever you stir something new, I'm going to be obedient. If that's you today, I want you to stand up all over this place because I want to pray for you. Because it's going to be hard. Even when you're connected to the Lord, even when you're following His presence, His voice, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. There's going to be hardship. There's going to be pain. There's going to be struggles. You're going to drop the ball sometimes. But that's when God comes alongside of you and say, you were meant to do this life on your own. You were meant to rest, remain in me because through me, all things are possible. All things are possible. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this church family. I thank you that you are the God who came and empowered Joshua. You're the God who empowered Moses. And you're the same God who empowers each and every one of us all these years later, God. And we hold out our hands. We raise our hands and surrender, saying, you can have it all. Lead us. Guide us. Direct us. God, we're surrendered to you, God. Whether this is a season of development, a season of empowerment, or a season when you're forwarding us into the destiny and the purpose that you have for our lives, God, 
we're submitted. Wherever you wanna take us, God, we lay everything at your feet and say, God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We trust you, we press into you, and we thank you. We step into 2024 with a posture of gratitude, Lord Jesus. As we've come to the end of this, this series may be over, but our pursuit of you is gonna last another 49 weeks to go. We're not gonna stop. We're gonna keep pressing into you. We're gonna keep trusting you. We're gonna keep listening to the sound of your voice because God, through you, all things are possible. You are the God of the impossible and we trust you every single step of the way. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We love you, Riverside.